0: the Pattern Podcast. Make left traffic clear for the option.
1: Minneapolis departure, Archer 641, Charlie, Charlie, 2000, climbing 3000.
2: Line up and wait 7 range, 4 by Delta. Martin Tower
0: 172, Romeo, down on the shuttle,
2: 133, ready to take off. Auburn down, departure, I can see what I like, enemy downwind for runway 25.
0: I'm John, I'm Chris, I'm Brad, and I'm Mark, and we are the In The Pattern Podcast.
2: Hey, welcome to episode 46 of the In The Pattern Podcast. This is Chris. Along with me tonight, I've got John and Brad. Unfortunately, Mark wasn't able to uh, make it on with us tonight. He had some prior commitments with his uh, air show crew. Uh, but we do got John and Brad with you, and uh, we just want to kind of do a little bit of an Osh wrap-up. I know it's uh, been several weeks since it's been Osh, since we've been back to Oshkosh, but uh, we've just had a little bit of problem getting together and making uh, making time uh, to get this done. But uh, anyways, how are you guys doing?
0: I'm good. I'm glad we finally made this work. We've tried, I don't know, four times to schedule this? At least,
1: at least. <laughs> yeah, I apologize to the listeners for the delay, um, but... It's it's good to be back and and good to have everybody in the virtual hangar or almost everybody back in the virtual hangar.
2: Yeah, we'll get things back on track here and get uh, back to our normal schedule as we uh, have been doing every couple weeks. Um, it's uh what it's uh September fifth today and uh, yeah it's been uh, it's been a little while since we've been to Oshkosh. Um, I'm uh, I'm already missing it. Um, and speaking of that, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of bring up this uh, episode as kind of a review because there's some things that uh, every year it seems like this happens to me. You know, I got some plans. I want to do this. I want to do this. And it just never happens. Any of that happen to you
0: guys? I stopped making plans. I just stopped. There, there was no point. Just wing it. Yeah, exactly. It's just, uh, you know, you get there and then there's everybody's around and you never know what's going on. And then it's just, you, you cannot plan at Osh. You just can't.
1: Yeah, there's always uh, a few things that I'd like to do that I that I never seem to quite get to. But so much of the homework and researchy kinds of stuff I can do online, and so most of my Oshkosh planning involves just meeting up with people.
2: Yeah, it seems like every year I go, I spend less time with the planes and more time with the people. And isn't that what it's all about?
0: Definitely, definitely. Um, And, you know, that's kind of why it's nice just hanging out at Camp Bacon and just everybody comes and you just end up seeing everybody and it's nice.
2: Which is the perfect segue because, you know, speaking of uh, less time with the airplanes and more time with the people, Camp Bacon just continually growing. I mean, uh, we were at uh, 40 plus people there this this year.
0: Yeah, so I I looked and um, I'm pretty sure that Camp Bacon is larger than the property that I now have. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I finally like have a yard, so <laughs> it's like, I'm looking at, I'm like, man, I think camp bacon is bigger than this. So you can put a stole aircraft in there. There you go. There you go. If the house wasn't in the way. Yes. <sighs> and all the trees, a ton of trees around here, but you know, on it. I'm only, I'm only like three blocks from the water, which is why I keep trying for that seaplane.
2: Well, that would, you yeah, that'd be awesome. Um. Yeah, I think I think our camp bacon had to be somewhere near. I don't know. Um, well, over a quarter acre got to be coming up on like three eighths to a half
0: acre in size now. Something like that. I'm on a um, quarter acre now, a little more than a quarter acre. So. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, it was great seeing
2: some uh, new faces every year. We we get a, a few extra people to join, and you know. Thanks to uh Mart and Larry for uh getting out there early and securing our spot and making this thing happen for us. That's uh that's uh you know, the only reason we can make Camp Bacon what it is for sure. But um anyways, you know, kinda of speaking uh, of some things that I had planned on, like there were some pretty special airplanes at this uh this Sashkosh, like there are every year, you know, but uh like I really wanted to go see that that huge NASA um, plane that was sitting there. WB fifty seven, wasn't it? Okay, <laughs> I uh, I think that's what it was.
0: Um, I could. It was like the precursor to the U two, right, or something like that.
1: It. Yeah. Yeah. There was... certainly was a lot of shared lineage between those two aircraft. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it wasn't quite the same wingspan and all that, but it was definitely similar.
2: Um, you know, uh, Brad Mark. And I showed up on Thursday. John had been there all week. You didn't happen to get see see it fly at all, did you?
0: No. Yeah. I don't even think I saw it until Wednesday. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, because there was that one, and there was that one right in front of it that had the like four way folding wing. Yeah, Janet, yeah. Janet the Gannet. Yeah, that that was a neat looking. What was that? A British? Yeah. Um, yeah. Royal Air Force. I know, it's like they. I don't even know what that was.
2: <laughs> it's it's a uh, torpedo bomber that actually held nuclear uh, underwater bombs.
0: Really, it was nuclear. Mm-hmm. Wow! I
2: and the only reason I know that is because yesterday I think it was I was watching something on YouTube. A woman owns that airplane, and it's good on her. She, yeah, she bought it, and I don't um, I can't remember what year off the top of my head, but it sounds like she had it for. 4 or 5 6 years before they started doing the restoration on it to get it back to to where it is now and then this guy that's flying it is the only person qualified to fly it at this point you know it's the only flying one in the world i'm not sure how you get type rated if you're the if there's no one if no one currently type like,
1: type rated in it maybe just, just show up and take, and take the check, check ride just like, like anybody else know. yeah so anyways i really i
2: actually those are the the two planes that i really wanted to see uh you know, in the air, but, uh, missed it. Matter of fact, on Sunday, um, you know, we went out and got breakfast again, I think before we left and stuff like that. And we walked through, uh, Boeing square as it's known now, right? Boeing right this week. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah I was buying this here.
2: Actually, I think they bought the rights for at least the next five years or something. We'll see. But, um, and it was already gone. So I had my chance of seeing it leave Sunday, but, since none of that stuff's ever like posted ahead of time, you know, if you were there to see it, you saw it, if you weren't, you weren't. So, um, it would have been cool to see. How about you guys? Any, anything you were hoping to see while you were there and, and, and kind of missed it and.
1: I was hoping to see better weather on takeoff on departure. Oh, (laughs) Oh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah. Cause what time did you guys leave?
1: We were wheels up just as the air show was starting at one. Okay. And technically the airport was closed. Um, The the little guys came out in the VW convertible and said, the airport's closed after we had just untied the airplane and gotten everything ready to go. Mm. And we're like, well, there's five planes on the taxiway waiting to depart. I was like, well, let me see. And he calls up ATC and they're like, Hey, these guys are ready to go. Can you take one more? It's like all right, fine. <laughs> and I, there were a couple of planes that were even behind us, oh. but it, it was definitely, it was definitely touch and go. Um, you know, there was a there was a big. We got doused on the way up there, riding the tram on the way up, and then um, it was clear, and so we quick got out and you know got the plane ready and pre-flighted the plane and, and you know got our clearance to taxi and taxied over to the. So the runway, we were the only we were the only plane left uh, at that point, and we got our takeoff clearance and we took off and ran right into another uh, heavy shower,
2: Um,
1: and it was heavy to the point where uh, basically we lost we lost visibility to the ground, Mm -hmm. um, and did not see it coming. I mean, we were looking at the radar and looking at you know looking at foreflight and there was nothing worse than some green. And so we were just expecting kind of light showers and that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, not long after takeoff, we weren't much more than maybe 50 or 75 feet in the air um, when just wham, uh, we got absolutely pummeled. Uh, And of course, we're departing VFR. um, And that wasn't the best. Uh, Visibility came right down to the point where from 75 feet you know, or to a hundred feet we couldn't see the ground anymore. Um is it, th- that was not the best.
2: Is um that four flight weather, that's like ten or fifteen minutes behind, right?
1: Right. It's always behind, but even then it didn't show I mean it didn't show anything like this. Yeah. I mean it didn't show anything that was gonna be that heavy. Um and those those radar returns aren't that great. I was sitting over in um,
2: Appleton. And I pulled up my, I pulled up the weather on my computer or my, my tablet or something, and I was seeing that I was like, oh man, Ash is getting hammered right now, and I was wondering if you
1: guys had taken off yet. I don't remember what time that was though. Yeah, we we got off, hit that, actually climbed out the top of it. It was the sh- it was the lowest shower I've ever seen. We came out the top of it at about a thousand feet, um, and was clear. We were above it. What the heck is this? How do you get? like heavy showers that low to the ground. Um, but it, you know, uh, we, we came out and then there was just line after line after line of showers that were heading right for Oshkosh and we just went north of them uh, and proceeded on our way and, and maintained easy VFR um, the rest of the way up. But uh, I had bought just on our way, literally on our way out, uh, swung by the Sporties booth and picked up a Stratus two. And that was that was a very interesting experience. (laughs) So you got that all hooked
2: up uh, prior to takeoff, then?
1: Yeah, I mean it just takes two seconds to get it hooked up. You literally power the thing on, um, and select it. It has a Wi-Fi base station in it, so you pick that um, from you know the normal Wi-Fi thing, and then it creates its own (laughs) Wi-Fi. Yeah, it yep. creates its own Wi Fi network. And it's and it's so talking
2: you s- to your I'm sorry, it's talking to your iPad and, and integrates
1: through ForeFlight, right? Right, it integrates right into ForeFlight. So you get uh Wasp GPS, you get ADSB in, um, and you get an Ahars. Nice. <clears throat> um and so that's set up in literally in seconds. But it it also didn't show us the the extent of the weather, which is fine, mm-hmm. you know. But um we also had to stay low. We were twenty five hundred feet, the uh, AG, um, MSL, so seventeen hundred AGL, the whole way back. And so we were out of ADSB range. We didn't get, we didn't get any traffic. We didn't get any weather most of the way up. But we could see, you know, we had good visual, good visual, uh, good visibility. So we could see everything that we needed to see to to remain clear of any other any other weather.
2: Nice. So had you planned on buying that before you, before you came to OSH?
1: I hadn't planned on it. I, I would, I had been considering it for a while. And then finally I was just like, all right, well, I'm just going to, you know, bite the bullet and get it. <laughs> um, and any last day uh, of the show deals? No, there was no last day of the show <laughs> deal. It's the same deal as the first day of the show oh, Bummer. and any other day. <laughs> um, but that's fine. You know, it's, it's an okay box for what it is. Um, You know, it gives you—it does give you some options, but you have to be high uh, up in the air to pick it up. You have to be basically 3,500 AGL is what they recommend.
2: So since Um, so since you've got
1: it, have you had a chance to use it in its full functions? A little bit. Um, Most of the time, when there's weather around, I'm I'm I have lately. I've been VFR, so I've been low, and that's limited its utility. Um, And even one time, I was. I was sitting right seat uh, in our Cherokee six. Uh, I was not flying. Uh, another guy in the club was, was taking it out and I, I, he just said, Hey, do you want to ride? So I got to sit in the right seat and play with the, with ADS-B and the Stratus and all that kind of stuff with ForeFlight. And we were coming in back into the airport and we got called for traffic and it was a half mile, 12 o'clock, 500 feet above us. And it didn't show up at all um, on, on the ADS-B Uh, fish finder Hmm. Um, and we were you know within six or seven miles i guess eight miles of the of minneapolis saint paul international you know there was big iron flying all over the place well is that
2: because (laughs) is that is that supposed to be picking up anybody with a transporter or anybody that's posting
1: adsb out it picks up any any secondary target that atc gets so, uh, anybody that has mode C, which you have, whichever, which is everybody in that particular airspace, sure. um, anybody with mode C gets, um, uh, gets picked up and, and, and projected project. out unless on you forget to turn on your transponder. Right. right. But these guys hadn't, they just departed out of the field that we were going into and they always give you a, a little, Hey, check your mode C Yeah. You know, if you haven't. And they, and when they gave us the traffic advisory, they, they gave us the altitude of the other aircraft. And I could see it right away. It was a half mile away. It wasn't hard, huh. but it was very interesting that that it didn't get picked up. Yeah, you know. So it's a good tool. I, you know, I I don't have bad things to say about it. But it's it's definitely a secondary tool.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Nothing's going to um, beat a pair you know, of eyes out the window. Well, a lot of things beat a pair of eyes out the window. I mean, but... if
2: it's within viewing distance, <laughs> within within yeah. that distance, anyways, several miles. Even out, then,
1: you know. I don't know what it's like for you guys, but when I get traffic advisories, you know, first of all, I don't even look if it's six miles away because it's six miles away. (laughs) But when they're getting close, I only see them about 30 to 40 percent of the time.
2: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know
1: what? Uh, Uh, Well, I don't know.
0: Or I'll be looking for, you know, five minutes and all of a sudden they're behind us and it's already no factor. And then I'm like, oh, there he is. Mm hmm right yeah it i it just
1: it isn't it isn't good you know occasionally i have had it the other way where i've seen it and they've become no factor and then i get the traffic advisory from atc <laughs> i had that happen with a, with an apache that flew that flew right right across my nose and then when it was Twenty seconds across my nose, it, I got the traffic advisory, <laughs> which is fine. You know, when you're on VFR flight following, you're not their primary concern. Their primary concern is IFR traffic. Yeah, uh, but you know, you it it really you can't count on the box.
2: I wonder if that was just for the
1: recorders to pick up that he said something about it. <laughs> I don't. I mean, they're not required to say anything hmm. um, for for VFR traffic. Uh, if either aircraft is IFR, then they have to, they have to make a broadcast. Yeah. But, um, but if both aircraft are VFR, then it's just pff, whatever hmm. you know, they'll let you know if they can,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, there was a midair between an uh, a plane being flown by the NTSB and a plane being flown by the FAA oh, I heard, yeah, last year. I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were both, VF, they were both on flight following, but they didn't get a traffic advisor because yeah. the, cause ATC was busy. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. I mean, that's it's spelled out in the AIM. That's what it says. Fine. Yeah, yeah. But um, you, you know, you still have to. You're pilot in command, and that means you're solely responsible for the safe outcome of the flight, not the box. Yep, you got that Uh, right. And not ATC. So, John, it's it doesn't change that. Yeah, that's for sure. John, any uh,
2: purchases for you?
0: At Osh. There was uh, some housewarming, one,
2: some housewarming uh, gifts to bring, gift back. to bring back.
0: <laughs> Not quite. Uh, no, the other thing I got at Osh was a. Uh, I, I finally um, bit the bullet and got a Brightline bag. Oh yeah,
2: oh yeah, that was nice. That was nice.
0: Yeah, it. Um, it's uh, you, you know I had the um, before this. I had uh, I think it was the just the two of us. So me and Brad were talking. We described our bags. hmm. What we had in it. And I had, um, you know, the big giant sporties, like, duffel bag thing. Yeah. That I had when I was training. And, you know, when I was training, I was carrying a far aim. I was carrying, um, uh, you know, POH for the plane, which was huge. You know, all this crap. Uh, you yeah. know. AFD, just, just AFD. This, yeah, I had an AFD. I had a bunch of charts. I had, um, what, the... Um, I've got three or four heads mine. 6 each. What the hell is the name of that thing? The um e6b. Oh uh-huh. uh huh. you know, I had one of those, I had you know, all kinds of just stuff. So, you know, I filled the whole thing up. Well, now it's like I don't need all of that, especially with the iPad. Yeah. You now I'm pumping the iPad. It's like, you know, I, I just you know, I don't need it all.
1: You don't carry an, an e6B in case the iPad breaks down? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no. I do always carry a paper chart, but that said. Um not a current uh, paper chart though. No, I always carry current paper chart. Oh oh, wow, good on you. No, I I still have my subscription. I still have my subscription for paper charts. I killed the subscription for, um, uh, AFD. But between my iPad, my my iPhone, and then the paper chart, I should be good. Um, and actually, as of after I think the next flight. I'm going to be taking a, um, a little USB charger with me cause they, they, you know, um, just to keep the iPad charged. But, um, so yeah, I just, I don't carry a lot. Um, you know, I carry some flashlights, I carry air sick bags, my iPad, um, an extra paper checklist and then just some random stuff like some pens and, you know, batteries and, you know, just all this stuff, but I don't need a giant bag for it. So I went ahead and picked up the bright line. Um,
2: that bright, that bright line's like the Michael Jackson of bags. It's got so many pockets and and, and it places. Really does. <laughs> I like and all so
0: the, I the, the tell
2: tell them about the the colors, the little yeah, color so, coordination
0: thing. So I got the like I don't know, kind of the entry level, not the entry level. It's like the mid size, like standard VFR bag. So it's got um, a front part, a middle part, and then like a back part. And and um, so before I get to the colors, the the nice thing about the bright lines is they're They're modular, so I can buy more parts for it. Um, Like, I can fit, like, a larger pocket and stick it in between the modules, which is kind of cool. So I can expand it later on if I go IFR and I want to carry a bunch of stuff with me or something like that. So, you know, the parts I have, I have, I should probably grab this. Um, It's got three parts. So the front part is kind of this, like, multi-pocket thing, and it's got three big pockets on the front. And all of the zippers are, are color coded. So every zipper has a little colored dot on it. That's like there's a blue, yellow, a green, or whatever. So basically, you can, you know, tell somebody, hey, reach back in the green pocket is, you know, my flashlight. Grab that or something like that. So it's all color coded. So you know exactly what it is. But so each pocket, like there's the pocket, like the top pocket has um, a back sleeve that you unzipper and it like fits. You know, it's, like, a small little sleeve for fitting some, like, batteries or something. Then it's got, like, the main big pocket. Then you have a little pocket on the front, too. And then, like, the one pocket, like, it's, like, three big pockets on the front. And then one of them has, like, a little long thing where you can fit a, um, you know, fuel tester if you have one of the long, skinny ones. Um, there's pockets on the side that have, like, Velcro stuff. I mean, there's just, like, 8 million pockets everywhere. And then the modular part where it zips together, it's, like, a big, you know... Uh, a bigger zipper in there, but that where the the pieces mesh together essentially creates these big pockets that are the size of the bag. So that's where I put like my um, my paper checklist, my um, iPad will just slide into that sleeve. And then the center section, this is the part I really like. It's um, you can open the whole bag up in the center section, and you get a place for your headset, and then um, you can fit two headsets there. Or for me, right now, I only carry one headset with me. So I have my headset on the top, and on the bottom, I have a bunch of RAM mounts for mounting my iPad and all that stuff. So this, you know, you pull two zippers down, and the big bag basically kind of splits open in half. Well, if you zip all that up, there's another way where you can just unzip the top portion, and it's a flap that opens up, and then it has access from just the top to your um, headset. So you can grab it without opening the entire bag, which is really nice. Um, And then I think on the back, it's got like this flap that opens up and it's got a couple more sleeves. You can fit stuff in like paper charts and that kind of thing. Um, So it's just a fantastic bag. It's got um, different handles. So depending on how many sections you have or how you do it, you can weight it properly and put the handle in the right spot. Or, um, you know, there's another Attachment that gives you a shoulder sleeve so you can slip it over your shoulder. It's um it's a fantastic bag and well worth the. Um, I think I spent like 150 on it. Um, well worth the money. It's you know it's it's very compact. It's um, it's uh, you know, it's not that big. It's kind of this. I don't know. Maybe it's a foot. Well, less than a foot. It's probably like eight inches thick, and then it's um probably the size of a. Large binder, I guess um, you had a large binder that was like eight inches thick, it'd be about that size um so it's really nice to you know as we have our pilot just take it, throw it in the back seat and you're good to go and I get to fly with it once right after Oshkosh, and it made a huge difference trying to get that in and out of the plane versus this big giant duffel bag and you know it just it perfectly fits all the things that I have without having just this big compartment that's just stuffed thrown in there so um that's cool. It's really nice. It was a great purchase. Yeah,
2: I like the look of it. It's uh, it's one of the better looking bags I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, it's good looking. It's well made. It's durable. It's um, was it
2: about seventy five bucks or something?
0: No, it was like one hundred fifty. Okay. But um, yeah, it was a little show special. It was like twenty, thirty, fifty bucks off. I forget. It was it was you know it was a good price. Hmm. So um, I'm glad I did it. It it's much better than my other bag.
2: So where'd you go on your flight?
0: My flight was uh, up to Scranton Um, basically the day after. So Sunday, me and Damon drove back from Oshkosh. Um, It was a long day back, but we we made it back at night and just in time for Damon to get his uh, his sushi in Annapolis that we had tried to do on the way up and didn't happen. So um, we got there literally like, I think, 20 minutes before they closed. so we planned it perfectly. He should have came and had sushi with us that night. Uh, well, he had, we had already had sushi early in the week, but this was special sushi because he knew the place. It's a good place in Annapolis. So we were in Annapolis. Go to Joss. It's really good. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, we got back Sunday, and then Monday, um, I, I flew him up to Scranton to drop him off. Um, we had kind of. Um, I had dropped, been dropping them off the past couple of years. I forget where I feel like, something like that. And, and this year, we were kind of like, why don't we just fly up to Scranton and drop you off? Like, if the weather's good, let's let's fly. Why not? So, um, so we planned the whole trip. And this has been the furthest trip I'd gone. It's the furthest I'd actually flown at, at one time. And um, it was about an hour and a half, I want to say. Um, and uh, It was also into a Tursa, which was a little different. Um, So you know, Monday we're we're looking at the weather and it's it's not bad. It's just cloudy. It's kind of a low cloud. Um, It was very foggy in the mornings, so we kind of ended up pushing back a little bit. We went and got breakfast, and we're kind of waiting for some of the fog to burn off because it was just um, it was you know marginal VFR IFR. Kind of all around at different airports, and we knew it was going to be lifting, and, and it was um, there wasn't any thunderstorm scheduled till much much later in the afternoon. So we knew we were kind of clear of that, but we were just kind of waiting for the fog to lift so we could kind of leave. So I think right when we were at the airplane, kind of pre-flighting is when I finally saw the the METAR updated up at um, Scranton and everything and kind of lifted enough for us to get in. So. Um, We went ahead and went for it and took off and you know it was kind of a three thousand foot um, broken at that point you know there's some big holes up there so we um, we got up and then ended up popping through one of the holes that was large enough and did a VFR over the top up to Scranton uh, which was the first time I'd ever done that and it was um, it was just beautiful it was you know it's nothing like you know when we got when we got up all of a sudden it just got calm. You know, it'd been really choppy and and just kind of not fun below the clouds. But as soon as you got up, it was just you know beautiful white clouds below you, and it was just smooth as could be. It was fantastic. Nice. How f- uh, how far is that flight? Ah, uh, yeah, I don't remember how far it was. It was about an hour and a half, is all I remember. Um, that's a decent ways. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it was nice. We had, you know. A bunch of holes everywhere, and it was you know. um, So so was it was it like that the whole way, pretty much? Yeah, pretty much. Um, We we flew up there at fifty five hundred feet, which was um, at that point the highest I ever flown. um, Was was fifty five hundred? So we kind of flew up there, and wow, (laughs) I know, right? It's Uh, that's
2: hilarious. I know, isn't it? I've been to I've been to like fourteen three, I think. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, fifty five hundred was a. Highest, I'd flown at 5,000 before that. I, I'd gotten up to 5,000 at one point. Um, I crash into mountains unless I get to eight. <laughs> <laughs> See, our mountains were like 2000. <laughs> What's a mountain? Yeah,
2: a mountain that's interesting. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, we, we call them mountains here. I know they're just big hills, but whatever. So um, so anyway, you know, we flew up there, we were on flight following the whole way, and uh, Damon had taken the radios on the way up, and actually, I, I let him fly for a while. Um, so, you know, I was kind of hanging out on the way up, which was nice, so I get a chance to kind of poke around and look, and it was just, it was just, I don't it was just cool. I, I loved it. It was so much fun. And, uh, you know, we get up there, um, you know, no problems. Once you're on flight following, I mean, you're already talking to ATC, so you're getting in the turf is easy, because they're just handing you off to controllers left and right, and uh, you know, we got in, landed, uh, got cleared in for a, a straight in approach, um, which was great because it's actually has scheduled service there. So I wasn't quite sure how how it was going to go. But there's nobody there. We came in. So we got scheduled right in, had a you know, decent landing, dropped him off. And, um, you know, the FBO was great. You know, I showed up. I said, hey, you know, I'm just dropping him off. And then I'm heading out. And she's like, oh, OK, we're good. Don't worry about it. Because I had a landing fee and a, um, a parking fee of like, I think, seven bucks each. And, uh, you know, they were cool and went ahead and waived that. But, uh, um, you know, it was great fight up there. And on the way back, I ended up um, kind of doing the same thing because it, it was going from broken to scattered at that point. So there was even more holes everywhere. Um, so, you know, I went ahead and climbed through a big one, popped up. And at this point, you know, this is where I learned a, a important lesson was summer. You know, cumulus ish clouds is that they tend to rise as the day goes on. So by the time I got back up, it um, you know fifty five hundred. Well, at that point I was trying to go back at sixty five hundred, and um, uh, you know I, I started popping up and I realized that's that's not going to work. These things have gotten higher, so I ended up popping up to eighty five. Um, so at that point now I've I've already broken my my height. You know. Uh, a personal best personal best <laughs> uh, uh which was cool because at one point i got handed off to new york center uh on the way back and you know the cool thing was i didn't even ask for flight following on the way back they just gave it to me um because it was in the torso so they just kept handing me off to controllers
2: <laughs> that's probably uh, helpful in the long run
0: yeah i know it was great i never had to ask for it anything it was just you know just hand me off, you know, because I got up and a tower handed me off to Approach, and then Approach handed me off to, like, Allentown, and Allentown handed me off to, I don't know, somebody else who handed me off to New York, and actually, I almost missed the New York handoff, because I heard something, and I was like, that can't be right. I'm going south. Like, why would they hand me off to New York? And then, the you know, uh, the controller comes back on, and he's like, you know, one-niner nine Quebec, contact New York Center, and I was like, oh, shit, that was me. <laughs> and uh, I was like, all right, I'll, you know, whatever. So I'm talking to them for a while. And then, uh, you know, they hand me off to Potomac, which is the one, you know, close to me. And so I'm still at 8,500 feet. Now I'm still far enough out that I'm not an issue with the class B for BWI yet, but I knew I was getting close, you know, so I'm looking at holes here and there. Um, just making sure that I have one that's, you know, good for me to, you know, get down in. Cause you know, there's these pickles. So I want to make sure I got one big enough picked out at each point, And, uh, some looking, yeah, you know, kinda of found one. then the um Potomac Approach gets on the on the radio and he's like, uh, yeah, one nine Quebec, uh maintain twenty five hundred. And I'm like, I'm at eighty-five. And I was like, all right, I'll maintain twenty-five. <laughs> With the flaps descending. in, the
2: dive breaks out. Yeah, and it you know? wasn't
0: like descend and maintain. It was just maintain 2500. And I'm like, you know, like at 85, all right, whatever. So I just, at that point, I'm just like power out, kill it. You know, I had a I had a hole right in front of me, and I was just like, there I go. I'll be down in a few minutes.
1: <laughs> That's when I usually will say something like leaving 8500 for 2500.
2: Yeah, see you in a little while.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I, something like that, but... Um, yes, yeah, so I just dive dive bombed it. <laughs> I think it's the fastest I would ever descended to another record for me, <laughs> uh, while well, still very much keeping it under the yellow arc, which was nice. <laughs> but yeah, it was a it was a lot of fun. I I just had a blast, and you know I you know I got home from that flight, and you know I started thinking about it, and that's what really got me into, you know, I really want the IFR. I really want to get my IFR because I had a, you know, I honestly, I had a lot of fun talking to ATC. It just, it was no problem at all. It was not as scary as I thought, you know, I'm used to talking to ATC, but not in that, that much. Nice.
2: Yeah.
0: What I mean? And it kind of, I guess, got rid of some of that anxiety in talking to them. You know, I'm used to talking to a tower, but I'm not used to talking to, you know, I talked to Potomac Approach a lot, but I don't know, it was just different. It was just something about it. You know, going into the tersa, it just it got rid of. I guess that just any anxiety with talking to them. And so now I'm like, yeah, whatever. Okay, that's great. And then, um, you know, I want to do VFR on top all the time. You know, I did VFR over the top, but I'd, I'd love to be able to, you know, get an IFR, climb up through a layer of clouds, and then just be on top of, you know, this overcast layer. I think that'd be cool, and not being able to see the ground at all. So. Mm-hmm. Uh so that that's what kind of got me started and then you know I started talking to my buddy about the plane about the cardinal and we had a little discussion and decided that maybe we should hold off on the cardinal for a little bit and go for something a little cheaper and get it sooner. So now we're looking at a Cherokee 180.
2: Cool. Brad and I have a little experience in those.
0: Yeah.
1: Nothing wrong with them. Mm-mm. I think uh, I think our club's gonna buy another one. Oh is that right? An arch- another archer. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that's going to end up being being it, the, the next airplane for a while.
0: I think we're going to buy something newer than a 68, probably a, a 68 or early 70s. And, uh, you know, the price is good. Uh, they're a decent price. And it's about half what we were looking to spend with the Cardinal.
2: Oh, that's so nice.
0: We can, do it, we can do it just the two of us. Always a win. Yeah, we can do it just the two of us, get it sooner, and then I can go ahead and, you know, I'm hoping, you know, sometime later next year to be able to just knock out the IFR because I can do it for less than half the cost of doing it through the school. So um, that's my plan. So I want to get the IFR soon. Excellent.
2: Yeah, same here. I think as soon as uh, Franz's uh, Mooney gets put back together, we're still waiting for that. And I get, uh, I don't know if I can. I'm going to see if I can get my checkout in it as well as dual uh, or at, double it up with uh, some instrument training at the same time. Might as well. That's the
1: way to do it. You know, Yeah, that's the way to do it. Once you get the landings figured out um, and the, the weird slow flight characteristics, then yeah, just use the rest of your dual to get something else out of it. Might as well. Might as well.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: I had a, uh, Oh, by the way, while we're at Oshkosh, I signed up for uh, Pilots and Paws. Oh, you (laughs) did? Yeah, and um, since then, I've gotten several emails. Um, There seems to be one or two uh, a month, at least, that's going from, like, California to the Phoenix area, um, or somewhere around here, anyways. Um, That would be a great, you know, flight to... uh, do some instrument training in at the same time and write the whole thing off uh, since it's uh, a 503C or a 503 501C3 okay a non organization <laughs> that's correct so uh, yeah that'd be fun but uh, we just gotta get the Mooney uh, buttoned up uh, Franz has got the uh, the, the yokes uh, leathered um, with brand new leather they look great he bought um, some hides to redo the uh, interior or the seats at least, so they're going to have uh, new seats uh, or new leather seats. That'll be it'll be pretty cool. I don't know how it's coming with the cylinder and the uh, the gas tanks. Both tanks have to be um, scraped and resealed, and that's like eight hours per tank. So bah, that's cheap. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> eight grand and cylinders and cylinders. You know yeah. that's easy too.
2: Yeah. Fifteen hundred bucks a cylinder—that's cheap compared to what the tanks were costing. To have. I was going to say
1: fifteen hundred bucks a cylinder is a pretty good deal, actually.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, I and here, here's the sad thing—I don't know if you guys know—but I got, I got uh, um, media media badges to go to uh, to the Reno Air Races. So, if I wanted to go, oh. wanted to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. I
2: got no. I, well. I can't go so <laughs> it's kind of a bummer. We were hoping to go up there in the uh in the Mooney, but that's not going to happen. Um the good thing is is that if I did want to go, our um his buddy that has the insurance for him on the Mooney, the his insurance broker, um he, I uh I got my rider for the uh, Mooney as well through him. Um he has a a Mitsubishi MU2 as well as a Lear shoot, I forget. Twenty three, thirty, something like that. I don't know. But if I wanted to go, I could go up with him and the Lear uh six hundred bucks, so <laughs> which isn't horrible, but horrible. uh, but, uh friend, yeah take yeah. it. But I can't uh I can't manage it now, so anyways, it's kind of a bummer. I hope uh hope that doesn't spoil you know future uh, Media credentials with them.
0: I shouldn't, yeah.
1: I, uh, stuff happens. I, yeah.
0: I, I really want to get out there one year. It's going to be tough for me, but I really want to do it. Get a lot of hours that way. I could, I could. No kidding. Maybe yeah. I'll find a Cherokee out there. That's, that's late next year. I don't know if I want to wait that long. You
2: should see if you could find one in Arizona because, uh, they would be, um, corrosion
0: free at least. Till so I brought them here. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: add your own corrosion that could be fun though you know I know a couple of people out there in the Phoenix area so it'd be a fun trip
2: well I don't know about you guys but uh, that's pretty much the stuff that I wanted to cover I'm glad that uh, both you've got a chance to uh, get some flying done since uh, you've got back to Osh uh, I hope to uh, do some some myself even if uh, we have to go um, grab the 172 I need to get back up there
0: I got one scheduled for Sunday. So nice. Yeah, I nice. finally
1: got finally got my aerial survey out of the way. So got to fly the six at maximum gross weight. Ooh, <laughs> ooh. Uh, on and off of a grass runway. That was that was a lot of fun. Wow. Wow. Although my landings stunk. Um, one of them I had an excuse because it was the gust factor was like fifteen. Mm. But the other one the landing on the grass, I kind of thumped it on just. <laughs> It just doesn't uh, settle in the way you would expect an, a regular archer to do so, and we'll probably there, you have to you have to flare it at about you know six inches.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, probably better that you were on the grass than on tarmac, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. The landing at the landing back at Crystal was uh, actually the the weather the whole way back was kind of fun. We had to dodge a pencil thin line of thunderstorms that extended directly across our route of flight. So we ended up going quite a ways out of our way to the north and then uh, crossing the front there. Uh, It was great. It was a great intro to weather for my passengers. Um, Most of them had never flown in a little plane before. So we were crossing a warm front and the warm front was pushing into the back of a cold air mass. And it was raining on the edge of the warm front and uh, and with thunderstorms. 20, 30 miles to the south of us. And so we're crossing this, and you can see the rain dropping straight down until it gets to the cold air mass that's sitting underneath as the warm air front, warm air is crawling over the top of the cold, uh, which is what's causing the rain. So the rain falls down, hits the, the cold air, and it bends 45 degrees back. <laughs> that looks <laughs> like fun. Yeah, and I'm like that's why we're up here and not down there. <laughs> Cuz where the rain is bending 45 degrees, I don't want to be there with the airplane.
2: One of those times um, where
1: you're you're happy that you're up there instead of down there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very much nicer where we were. Uh and it was, you know, a few bumps, but the 6 especially the when the 6 is fully loaded uh handles bumps really really well. It 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 is just like a minivan. Um, but then on the way home, you know, we got back to crystal and it was gusting all over the place. Um, wind was one six variable one six zero to two one zero 15 gusting to 28. And that made for a really exciting landing. Wow. I'd come in, coming in extra hot to carry all that's, you know, to be able to handle the gust dying and, um, and the wind shifting all over the place. So it, it was a good workout, but I actually managed to for the conditions, a pretty decent landing. Much nicer than the one I did at, uh, on the grass runway at Starbucks. <laughs> you
2: landed at Starbucks?
1: Yes. Wow. Starbucks. Man,
2: they are getting huge. Right. They have their own airport now. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, right they, the they have a grass strip right in the back. <laughs> oh, and there were guys uh, hunting off of the end, off the departure end of the runway. Okay. So we're walking out to the airplane and we're hearing the shotguns going off. We're like, all right. I'm sure they're going to be happy when we fly over them at 70 feet.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: well, thanks to them for keeping that bird population down around the airport. Exactly. Exactly. But that, yeah, that's, that's been about it for me. I haven't gotten a tremendous amount of flying in since Osh. Uh, hoping to pick up some more. Should be flying down to Arkansas in October. So. That's a nice little flight from where you're at. Yeah, it's about four hours uh, in in the Mooney. It's 655 miles. Cool. You flight plan at 150? I flight plan at 165. Oh, nice. And that tends to be pretty close. Cool. Yep. It's a fun plane. John and-, and the higher I go, the faster I get there, usually. Yeah. John and I were looking at... Uh...
2: Straight line distances to Oshkosh in an airplane from uh, our hometowns. And for me, it's 1,270 miles roughly, and he's about half that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's – so, yeah, Oshkosh from, from Balmer is probably about the same as Hot Springs is from from Minneapolis. Hmm. 650 miles. I was looking at my – my family is having a reunion out in L.A., and I was look, briefly looking at flying out there. And even in the Mooney, it's 10 hours each way. Um, and that's more than I think Aiden's up for.
2: Yeah, probably. <laughs> Poor Aiden. <laughs> That'd probably be more than I'm up for. My back couldn't take that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a long time. You know, even if you just do it two five-hour hops, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's a lot of money and fuel.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's a lot of money and a lot of time for not much gain. You know, if you're gonna do it straight through, it's like, well, why not just be in the human mailing tube and call it a day?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, It's only worth it if you're gonna stop, and then it's end of it's it's over the holiday break, winter break, and getting out of here is just a total crapshoot.
2: Oh yeah. You know, for me, for me, LAX is an hour and fifty-one minutes.
1: Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's like Oshkosh from here.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> uh well next year uh maybe uh all of us will get
1: a chance to fly in.
2: That would be really cool.
1: That'd be great. I've got the six reserved so I can actually take all of you guys flying if uh, mm. and if if Let's we want to do something like that. Oshkosh quick cast from the air. From the Fisk approach. There you go. One of us won't be saying much. Right.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll leave the. Actually, you really can't get a word in, Edgewise. No. Anyway. <laughs> That'd be cool. I'm. I, I'm really anxious to, to see the video, uh, from that Mark recorded. Yeah. Uh, from the from the Fisk approach that we flew uh, together.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to put that together.
1: That was not a was nag that, that by any means, John. So.
0: You know, I understand you're busy. It wouldn't be the first time with uh, all the OPA stuff that we're behind on. (laughs) It's uh, it's been tough because the past three weeks, you know, I've been off off limits completely with uh, buying the house and moving in. So yeah, but now it seems we're kind of getting things together. So you know, the office is put together. So at least I have a place to work now. First uh, order of business is uh, go ahead and edit this and get this out there.
1: Alright. Sounds good. Well, maybe we should wrap it up.
0: Yeah. Let's do that.
1: Anybody got any shout-outs real quick? Or we go ahead and wrap up? Big shout out to Mark. Uh just be, it was really great having him along, uh, flying the Fisk Approach and flying out uh in our exciting weather. Um, it uh really good guy to fly with and uh uh just an all around good guy. So
0: here's to you.
2: Hey. How about you, John?
0: I don't really have much. Um, you know, I guess a shout out to my instructor for trying to work with me here. Um, we've been trying to schedule a Cherokee uh, 140 with the 160 conversion checkout. Um, so I can go ahead and get a little Cherokee time, time and kind of see if that's really going to work for us. And uh, it's been um, at first, you know, we had something scheduled and then the trim went out. So they ended up grounding the plane for a while and then. I just have not been able to reschedule it because he's busy with students and then I'm busy because I'm going away at this month. So I can't take off during the week to fly. It's just been a mess. So um, a shout out for him for dealing with that and also for being a really busy instructor. That's actually pretty awesome. So um, hopefully we'll connect up here and and get that done soon. So in the meantime, I'm getting some 172 time on Sunday, but uh, that's pretty much all I have. Cool. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and let me know where they can find us online. I know it's been a while, so let's uh, refresh their memories. Mm. So, uh, Chris,
2: let's start with you. Sure. In case you forgot, you can uh, reach me uh, on the Twitter machine at uh, cholubaz. That's C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. You can also find my YouTube videos under that same uh, name. And uh, Chris at com.
0: Awesome. And Brad, how about you?
1: You can reach me via email, brad at inthepatternpodcast.com. You can find me on the Twitter at Brad Kane. Uh, Facebook and Diaspora on bkane at diaspora.kane.com. And Kane is spelled, as I'm sure you all
0: know by now, Kilo Oscar Echo Hotel, November. Awesome. And me, you can find me at John at in the pattern on Twitter, at pilotconway and app.net at pilot Conway. I'm also on Facebook at John L. Conway IV. Uh, for the entire podcast, you can reach us all at podcast at in the pattern We are on Twitter as in the pattern, or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash in the pattern podcast uh, show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found at our brand new website in the pattern So go ahead and check that out. Uh, so please send us any suggestions, comments, and critiques, Critiques, sorry. We'd uh, love to get any feedback from our listeners. And also, if you get a chance, go ahead and leave us a iTunes review in iTunes. Uh, that would really help us out and let others uh, to help kind of find the show and, and tune in. So with that, let's go ahead and wrap up episode 46 of the End of Pattern podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Remember, make left traffic. You're cleared for the option.
1: and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network.